How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through our new study of First Peter. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, as we're going to be uh, continuing where we left off, uh, talking about uh, Paul's not Paul, Peter's epistle, uh, the gospel according to Peter, as I called it yes, uh, not yesterday, the other day, whenever we did this. And uh, we're going to continue on in chapter 1. So please grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, when we got, got down to verse 13. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast as we need to stay on point here, stay on structure as we're talking about the word of God, talking about this passage right here. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And uh, we're going to be using the three points of the Christian faith, the three points of Bible study, interpretation, application, demonstration, the what, the how, the why of the Word of God, what it specifically says, the narrative of the text, the interpretation, as there's only one, what it says is what it means, regardless of what I think, what I feel, or whatever else. But then we go to learning how to study the Word of God. We read it to understand the what, what it's saying, but then we study it. We study the specific words and the pictures and the images and the details and uh, take a look at how it's being said. The specific uh, instructions, the details of this and taking what you're reading and comparing it with other aspects of the word of God. Learning how to study cross-reference scripture, scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. And uh, by this we see the applications as there are multiple applications of the word of God. It can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. But again, what it says is what it means. Application is not interpretation. And uh, we learn how to read. We learn how to study. And we do all this for personal demonstration. To demonstrate the faith to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. The why, why is this important? So using the Berean method based off of Acts chapter 17, verse 11, the Bereans who are more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. And so this is what we're going to be doing. So picking up where we left off in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 13, grab tea, grab the coffee, grab your snacks, whatever it is you're having, come join us at the table. Time to study the Word of God. So what we're going to be looking at today is uh, just a couple verses. Um, starting at verse 13 here. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's picking up here. Now, really, we've been focusing a lot about this kind of thing right here in the past, uh, for the past while, talking about revival of heart and mind. 
And as you see here in verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind to, to get up, get dressed, to put on the armor of God, to gird yourself. Now, what is it that we are girding ourselves with, clothing ourselves with? And we study the word of God. We see the fruits of the spirit. We see the armor of God. We see the robes of righteousness. We see all of that which the Lord has given to us. We're girding ourselves with the peace, the power, the joy of the spirit of the living God. And we are uh, putting to death the insolent flesh of the fears and the heavinesses and all these things that we're living as unto the Lord. It's so interesting that it just so happens that yet again, Again, we're talking about this very thing. How many times have we gone through this throughout the gospel, seeing Jesus talking about this very thing? And then we went through the epistles of Paul, and we went through James, and we went through uh, uh, so many others, and now we're taking a look at Peter saying the same thing yet again. It's so important is that uh, we cannot seek the joy of the Lord if we're letting the things of flesh and the world and of the enemy get into our lives and rule our faith. Gird up the loins of your mind. Your mind is to be held captive by the word of God in prayer. Our minds are to be uh, subjected to what the Lord says. That what I feel, what I think, what I want, circumstances, issues, you know, whatever we need to bring it back to what the lord says either it's all true or not at all gird up the loins of your mind be sober sober faith sober faith serious faith taking it fervently seriously and take it as what it says is what it means at at uh, at the literal value that the lord is giving and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope for the grace to have that which is before us. Putting all these things before us and focusing on this. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you. Now where do we also see this language kind of detailed again? Now if we go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We see Apostle Paul talking about this exact very same thing. This exact very same thing. And, and like I said before, when the Lord says something once, it's very important. But when the Lord says it again, that means stop what you're doing, pay attention. When the Lord says it again, a third time or more, so it says it multiple times, do you think that, do you think that that then would be important? That th this is something very important then? That we should really pay close attention when the Lord repeats himself multiple times. We take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Now we look at warfare. Warfare. As a call, calling uh, uh, out war to battle against, seeking to subdue, to destroy. We're at war with someone, with something. It's not just skirmishes. It's not little battles. It's not just two little ships firing at each other. It's not just a couple soldiers on each side. No, it is war. 
all-out war. One kingdom is at war with another kingdom, and the one is seeking to destroy the other. This is what's going on. It's, it's absolute war. And when we don't take uh, the war seriously, this is when we have been taken captive. We're being deceived. We're being deluded here. If we don't think that it is open warfare. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now we see, therefore, it's the reality of the flesh. The flesh is reality, which is the flesh, flesh, uh, the reality of physicality, the reality of physicality. That this world and all that is of the world, of the physical reality that is ruling of this world, even to the God of this world, the, the devil and all of his minions and the powers of hell, the, the, the corrupted sinful world and the corrupted sinful flesh is at war with the faith. It all is seeking to tear down the church, to tear down faith, to tear down joy, to disprove God, to kill the faith, to kill, kill the word of God, to nullify the promises of God. It's all seeking to do this. And if we are not taking this seriously, that it is a war, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, let's just look at this just for a moment. How then, how do you war back then in this context where the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the point down of strongholds? How? Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How? Well, you must understand it's not just a one and done thing. The war is not over when you just pull the trigger once. You know, one assault isn't going to end the war. It might end a skirmish. But it's still open war. The kingdoms are still at war and the war will continue until one kingdom ceases to remain. You understand that? So therefore, the war is not done by just completing one circumstance, by completing one day, by completing one weekend, by completing one year. The war continues until one kingdom falls, until one kingdom is utterly destroyed. The war will continue. The weapons of our warfare, though, as we see, as we're not told to spread the word by the sword, literally, physically speaking, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not told to pick up, pick up actual physical weapons and go out and convert by forced conversion or whatever. But we go out and we preach and we teach. But how do we war on a daily basis? Because you understand that you're not just out on the uh, uh, the battlefield, the war field, the war ground, just one day of the week. This war will continue in your mind. It continues in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, and it, it comes into your home, it comes into your life, it gets into the church. It's everywhere. Everything is involved. Everywhere, in everything, this war is involved. The weapons of our warfare. Now, what are our weapons? What are our weapons? 
Well, we see, you know, talking about the armor of God. We have the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We have the belt of truth, our feet shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're, you're um, holding the shield of faith and the sword of the word of God. But it says weapons, plural. Weapons, plural. Well, we go to Hebrews and we, we see in Hebrews, it talks about the sword of the word of God, how sharp it is, how powerful it is and how quick it is and how lively and what all it does, cutting to the heart and, and all this. Okay, but why does it say weapons, plural? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not physical, but are mighty through God, mighty through God. So, but again, it says weapons, plural. Well, we go back to Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word as a fire and like a hammer, it breaks the stone to pieces. The word of God is a sword. The word of God is a war hammer. And the word of God bellows fire. Okay, there we see three weapons. Now, this is the word of God speaking specifically of the word of God, that it's kind of a multi-tool weapon, multifaceted weapon. Um, and that it's a sword and a hammer and it billows fire. It'll cut to the heart. It cuts to the conscience. It alters the mind. It's a hammer that, uh, like, I like the, the way that Charles Spurgeon speaks on this. He says, the word of God is the anvil upon which the opinions of men are smashed. The word of God will smash and destroy, grinds to dust, Anything that comes against it to try to contradict, fight against, that, that seeks to uh, invalidate the truths of God. The word of God will smash it to pieces. And the word of God will burn it up. But we also see the fire of the word of God doesn't just consume in, in fire, but also like a forge. Like a forge, uh, you see the blacksmith is working away. Now, what is he using? The blacksmith uses fire. The blacksmith uses a hammer. So we see that the word of God will either tear down, destroy, consume, grind to dust, or it will, it will heat up, it will purge and purify and fashion. That's what the word of God does. The hammer will either uh, shape and fashion or it will grind to dust. The fire of God will either consume and destroy or it will heat up and purge and purify. This is what the word of God does. But it, and this is how it uses to build or tear down construction or destruction. But also we see then the offensive. See, there's the defensive and then there's the offensive in that it's a sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But those aren't just the only weapons that we have. You see, this is the power of what the word of God is. This is just what it is. And that the word of God doesn't use you, doesn't need you. And that this is just how powerful the word of God is and what it's able to do and accomplish. But for us on a personal level, though, see, this is, this is the weapons of God. This is the weapons of God that he gives us to use. But what are our personal weapons? When we're battling against the things of this world, now look at the language. For, the, for, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, so hold your finger here. We're going to be coming back to this. 
But go back to 1 Peter and take a look at what it says in verse 13. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Now, just as I was talking about the word of God is a hammer. The word of God is a fire. It will tear down and destroy, or it will heat up, purge, purify, and fashion. So we see the word of God fashions our mind, it fashions our understanding, our outlook, our insight, how we see, how we know, how we perceive. The word of God is our guidance of mind, it's our guidance of heart. It teaches us how to pray, it teaches us what to say, it teaches us how to live, how to walk, how to work, how to fight. You teach my, my hands to war, my fingers to fight, as the word of God says. So the word of God teaches us how to fight, and then we take this instruction personal. And we apply it to ourselves. We apply it to ourselves. And the hammer of God starts to build up, starts to put all the fashions, the pieces, and then starts to click all the pieces together, fashioning the chain mail of your mind, so to speak. So we see all the instructions, the promises, the doctrines, the, the guidances, all of the things of the word of God are individual links in your chain mail coat. And we fashion the coat of the chainmail, the armor that we then put on ourselves. And like, like a soldier, like a knight, there's the chainmail on the head and uh, the coat and down through the, the pants. And you put on all the other armor on top of this. So we see we're being fashioned. We're given armor and weapons. And we're being fashioned and designed. We're being instructed and taught how to fight and how to war, how to stand. Again, throughout the Word of God, we're taught again and again how to stand in the Lord, to stand in faith, to stand in peace, to stand in what the Lord says, to fight against the flesh. To fight against the flesh. So you're seeing this. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. What is Peter referring to? What is Peter referring to? Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our life, our weapons, our focus, our desire, our drive, our new lusts and desires are that of spirit, not of flesh of this world or anything that, that the flesh would be would find appealing. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination. So you see that it's a war for the mind. It's a war for the mind. The mind. A church is torn down when the mind no longer holds to the things of the Lord. A church is torn down. Faith is torn down. Saints are torn down. Ministry work is torn down. Uh, all, of, all of that which is uh, for the glory of God is torn down when the mind is torn down. 
when the mind is no longer excited when the mind is no longer holding passionate the things of the lord when the mind is no longer holding to the things of spirit when the mind it focuses on rituals and traditions it focuses on self-comfort and personal schedule whatever when the mind is held to personal doubts and fears and what i think is possible how i feel what i want it all falls apart it's a war for the mind if the devil can get in your mind he's got your faith he's got everything he's got everything casting down imaginations denying it denying it power denying it reality that it gets no say it gets no spot it gets no ground it it has no inch is given to it a full-on resistance a full-on resistance casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god things you even see as important valuable precious casting it down resisting it and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god if it goes against the word of God, if it goes against the promises of God, if it goes against the character, the personality, the attributes of God in any way, shape, or form, tear it down. That's how it's supposed to be. If you give it an inch, it will take a mile. If the flesh is given an inch, it will take a mile. Casting down imaginations. That's every hypothetical situation, every theoretical situation, every kind of circumstance, situation, issue that you could possibly dream up, think of, or imagine is possible is going to happen, or how you feel, you think, anything that goes against the character, the nature, the attributes of God is to be torn down. It's a war. And in a war, it's violent. In a war, it's painful. In a war, it can be hurt emotions, hurt minds, hurt hurt uh, uh, feelings or whatever else. It can hurt you, hurt others. But if it must be done, it must be done because this is the truth, this is the way it is. And if it goes against the knowledge of God, it needs to be fought against. It needs to be fought against. And you can't fight a war with kid gloves. You can't fight a war with kid gloves. War is not gentle. War is aggressive, sometimes belligerent, sometimes harsh. And in war, there's death. In war, there's death. And in the war of the faith, in the war of the Lord, it's either the death of flesh or the death of faith. It's either the death of flesh or the death of faith. Either or, it can't be both. You can't give ground to both. You, there's In a war, there's no middle ground, nebulous gray area. The kingdom is seeking to destroy the other kingdom. There's no dead man's ground, no middle, middle ground, no gray area. There's no fence to walk on. It's full on assault. 
The devils show no respect. The world and the flesh show no respect whatsoever to the things of the Lord. And the things of the Lord shows absolutely no respect whatsoever to the things of flesh and of hell and of the world. Why are we warring with kid gloves? Why are we being gentle to sin? Why are we giving ground and giving heedance to and just seeking diplomatic solutions to the ways of the world? What do you think is going to happen to the faith and to the church if we approach sin in the flesh in diplomacy? It's war. It's war. It's the prophets of Baal versus the preachers of God. It's the things of the Lord versus the things of hell. There's no diplomacy. There's no diplomatic solution. It's war. And we have to put to death the ignorant flesh or it's going to destroy your, your, your faith. That's how, it's gonna, that's how it goes. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Regardless how I feel about it. Well, I don't think it's, it's a problem. Good for you. But what does the Lord say? Does it go against the knowledge of God, the character, the attributes, the personality of the Lord in any way, shape, or form? If it does, tear it down. But, but, but it looks good. But I don't see a problem. It's not hurting anybody. If it goes against the word of God, if it goes against the Holy Spirit of the living God, tear it down. Now notice what, the, what it says here. Casting down. To This is the same word, casting. It's interesting. It's the same word, same meaning here as it talks about casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That word casting, it's not just bring and drop at his feet. It means to hurl. To grab a hold of the thing and hurl it. It's a violent action. Casting down imaginations. Thoughts, impressions, suggestions of mind. Feelings of mind that go against the nature of God are to be violently rebuked, resisted, and fought against. Not just fought, but warred against. As you declare all out war against that which is against the person of God. Do you see that? Do you see this? Casting down imaginations, bad attitudes, negativity, depressions, pride, arrogance, obstinance, apathy, unforgiveness, backbiting, griping, complaining, bellyaching. Anything that goes against the nature of God is to be violently warred against and cast down. Is to be torn out of the throne. You grab it by the scruff of the neck and you cast it down to the ground and you put the Lord back where he belongs. You put the faith back where it belongs. You fight against. This is how revival comes in. Because every ground 
that we make, every ground that we succeed in taking in the name of Jesus Christ that we crusade against, every ground we take brings revival to that which we have won. Revival in that spot, that area, in, in that piece of ground that we have gained in the Lord in our lives. And this is talking about our personal lives. Our own personal lives. Not so much as lives of others. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. You must, you must, you must war. Because the moment you back off of warring and you just take a look at it as an optional skirmishing, you've already been defeated. You have already been defeated and taken captive. You've been taken captive. You, you got the shackles on and you're, you're being escorted around as a prisoner of war, as a trophy of the enemy. And the, and the enemy parades you as their trophy of war. Use your sanctified imagination and picture that. Every time you give in to heaviness, every time you give in to unforgiveness, every time you give in to pride, every time I give in to any form of obstinance or whatever, anything that goes against the knowledge of God, I've been taken captive and I'm being paraded as a trophy of the enemy. I don't know about you, but I find that to be a high, extreme, shameful thing to the kingdom of God. That the enemy could use me as a trophy of their battle. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be a willing prisoner. I don't know about you, but every time the enemy comes at me and tries to get me done, I'm telling you, I'm going to wage war as a prisoner of war, and I'm going to fight tooth and nail to get myself back to, to my proper campground. How about you? You're going to shake off the heaviness. You're going to fight back. It's our duty to resist. It is our duty. It's our calling to resist. It's our duty to, to destroy the enemy camp. To burn down the tents of Satan. To shatter uh, their workings. To fight against them. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That we fight back and we take them captive. We now take them captive and we now parade them. The ways of the enemy, uh, of the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh, parade them as trophies of, of, uh, in battle, the trophies of war in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no excuse. When we wallow, when we stay in misery, stay in heaviness, and we allow our minds to stay and remain in heaviness, to remain in, in all of the depression, remain in pride and arrogance, unforgiveness, or whatever, we are held captive. We are captives of war. We have lost our freedom. We have lost our effectiveness. Our swords have been dulled. Our shields have been broken. Our armor has been stolen. And the enemy is at work presently tearing your armor apart, ripping the links apart to make your armor unusable. 
bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. There is no situation that's excused. There is no excuse you can bring up. There's nothing you could say. There's no situation that, 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 could, that could justify you and validate you in remaining in a position of heaviness and sorrow or whatever else. There's not one single loophole or excuse that you could possibly say. You bring everything back to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That's your marching order. That's your orders of war. In verse 6, in having in our readiness to revenge. You want vengeance? Vengeance is mine, say the Lord, I'll repay. But he also gives us a, a position of vengeance. The Lord does allow us to have an exception here where we ourselves are, are justified in taking vengeance. You know what that vengeance is? Not against anyone else in particular. We are, we are called to take revenge against ourselves. I just want to let that sink in just for a moment. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled take vengeance vengeance warring vengeance now uh let's say on a battlefield you have two kingdoms fighting this kingdom the enemy kingdom just did, did an onslaught against you what are you gonna do let it slide or are you gonna fight back tooth and nail and show them what for you take vengeance back. Now, how do we in this then? Well, what does that look like? What does it look like to take vengeance against yourself? What would that look like? Think about that one just for a moment. What would that look like to take vengeance? That when the enemy assaults your mind, assaults your senses, assaults your faith, assaults your church, assaults your family, the enemy, the devils, the flesh and hell, the world assaults your life, throws you into sp downward spirals of whatever you fill in the blank. How do you take vengeance? taking the faith seriously by repenting of allowing this to happen grabbing your sword grabbing your armor cinching it down nice and tight then you grab a hold of your shield and your sword with a nice strong grip and you go back and you give them what for and you in repentance and faith and love and praise of the Lord, you sing the war cry of God. You sing the war cry of the faith, the war cry of the praises of Jesus Christ. You lift up his name like a war trumpet. You declare the ways of the Lord. You declare the glory of God. You declare the promises of Jesus Christ. You hold high the banner of faith and you let fly the truth of our Lord and you make the enemy rue the day that they ever dared to come against your faith. That's how you do it. This is how revival comes in. Revive to give life, to make new. The word of God is quick, means to give life, to revive, give energy. Either it's all true or it's not at all. Either it's all true. We are not to be fashioned 
after the former lusts were not to be found in fashion as the ways of flesh and the world and the enemy were supposed to be found in fashion of Christ likeness imitating the son of god imitating jesus christ imitating god in the flesh of the peace the power the truth what it is is what it is this is true the world is not this is true the flesh is not this is true your imaginations are not this is true not what society says this is true not how you feel about it it's either all true or not at all. You tear down, cast down. You war back. You take vengeance. It's war. It's war. So in this context, then, we take a look at what the Word of God, what our Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ says. What does the battle cry of faith look like? What does the battle cry of faith look like? What would that look like? taking all the pictures, the images, and the principles, and the teachings of the Word of God, what would it look like when you have an army, not just single commandos. There's no such thing as single commandos in the army of God. It's a full-on huge army, thousands of soldiers marching in step. You can hear it, the thunder of the footsteps, the clattering of the armor, and the voices of the commands being called out. And you can hear the trumpets of war, the drums of war, as the army of God marches forward. What does that look like, sound like? This is what it is. We fall apart. And we get knocked down, we are taken captive when we start thinking independently. When we start thinking for ourselves, start thinking about ourselves as single individual soldiers and not one of the pieces of the full machine. We're supposed to work together, bear one another's burdens, praying for each other. We're supposed to be interceding for one another, fashioning ourselves after the soldiers of Jesus Christ. The soldiers of faith of heaven. This is what we are. I, I, I think we focus way too much on the sheep principle. Yes, we are the sheep, we are, and he is our shepherd. But we preach so much about the pasture and the sheep and the gentleness and the meekness of the sheep in association with Jesus Christ. Yes, that's an aspect, that's true, but... What about when it comes in relation to the things of flesh in the world and hell? We are soldiers, warrior priests, warrior priests, wielding the supernatural power of Almighty God. We carry the temple like the, the Levite priests would carry, would, would carry the tabernacle and the ark of God, the presence of God with them into battle. That's what we're doing. We're carrying the temple like a mobile tabernacle, carrying the very presence of God like the ark of Jesus Christ into the battlefield as warrior priests tearing down the Canaanite strongholds of hell. This is what we are. And the churches fall apart when they stop looking at this principle and they just become obsessed with not fighting at all. We're supposed to fight. 
with the weapons of God. With the weapons of God. Not carnality, but faith, prayer, Christ-likeness, belief, the word of God. Like Paul did, Elijah did. Saying, thus saith the Lord. Like Peter did, James did, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. As John the Baptist, thus saith the Lord. And you fight back. You fight back against your mind, against your fears, against your doubts, against your worries, against your faithlessness. You fight back against your sins. If any man sin, we have an advocate of the Father. You fall in the mud, get up, wipe it off, kick going. Get back in step, in step with the army. Walk with Christ. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. The weapons of our warfare is faith and prayer and the word of God. The armor of God cladding us that goes over top our tunic, which is the coat of righteousness, which is given to the saints by Jesus Christ. He gives us the coat to wear, and then he places armor on top of the coat. We are warrior priests following our God as the pillar of fire through the wilderness of this world, marching in step with the Lord. And the Lord tells us, there's the enemy there war against them destroy them and it's ourselves it's our fears our worries our doubts our faithlessness our weakness our sin ourselves we war against ourselves you war against your fear you war against your heaviness you war against anything that goes against the knowledge of god everything Nothing is excused. Take no prisoners. It's that kind of a thing. We show no mercy to ourselves. The moment we show mercy to flesh, think about it. What will happen? What happens the moment we show mercy to the sinful, sinful, corrupted flesh? What happens when we show mercy to the sinful ways of the world? What happens when we show mercy to the ways of hell? They take advantage of it. And they encroach into our camp and they burn down our tents. This is what happens. As obedient children, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, obedience, once your obedience is fulfilled, taking vengeance, revenge, when your obedience is fulfilled, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. We were ignorant about the ways of the Lord, about the ways of faith, and we didn't understand, but now we do. The way we used to be. The way we used to be. The former man, the old man of the old world, of the old ways, of the old life, of the memories of our past. We cast that down. We cast it down. We cast it out. We have nothing to do with it. That the past does not define who I am here and now. My past does not define my faith. My weakness, my inability, my past, my sins, but the, the world, the enemy, and my flesh does not define my faith. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. 
that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Your old man, your old flesh, your old life, your sinful flesh is corrupt. Deceitful. Lying. Your flesh, my flesh, is a pathological, lying, demonic monster. Be honest. Our flesh lies to us constantly. Lies to us about the promises of God. Lies to us about God's ability. Lies to us about the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the word of God, the faith of God. Lies to us constantly. Lies to us about answered prayer, about praying in general. Lies to us on a daily basis, constantly, deceiving us, tricking us, deluding us. Our flesh is a disgusting, pathological, lying, sinful, demonic monster. This is what we're fighting against. Our flesh is a dragon, and we're a knight in the name of the Lord, warring against the dragon of ourselves. That the, the, the flesh doesn't even need the help of devils. We always say, well, the devil made me do it. No, you made you do it. Your flesh doesn't need hell's help. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of our minds. Our minds are held captive by the word of God in prayer. What does the Lord say? That's what gives us strength to resist and fight back. To knock the teeth out of that dragon. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And that you put on the new man, verse 24 of Ephesians 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, a new being, new creature, born again, born into life, born in the ways of the Lord. Given a new name, new purpose, new life, new meaning. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It is not considered holiness of God if your flesh is involved in one iota. If your flesh, the ways of the world, or the enemy involves themselves and corrupts your, your thoughts and, and, uh, and wearies down your mind, heaviness, fears, depressions, whatever else, that's not holiness after God, even though you may swear you feel it, swear, swear that you're close to the Lord. If you're constantly giving in to the heaviness, that's not holiness. That's not true holiness. Holiness of mind is active fighting active fighting that the moment the thought wells up you beat it down the moment it tries to get in you cut it off the moment it tries to build up you tear it down no other pedestal is allowed in the temple of god other than the pedestal of jesus christ not you not me not any other situation not family friends any other thing not feelings there's not one single other pedestal in the temple there's only one place one position of honor one position of authority and that is the throne of almighty god it's all for the glory of god and for the death of myself it is to the death of me I must decrease. He must increase. I must tear down my will, my desires, my wants, my mind, and put up instead the mind of the Lord, the ways of the Lord. There's no excuse 
anyone could give. There's nothing you can say. There's no other situation that can excuse this. This is how it is. Only, only, hear me out very carefully, only your flesh, the world, and hell will object. Only your flesh, the world, and hell will object to this. You hear any form of excuses, any form of, well, you just don't understand. That's literally the flesh talking. It's literally the flesh talking. All things are possible in the name of the Lord. There's no excuse. We are to strive for war for the peace of God that passes all understanding. We're supposed to war for it, not just fight war for it now think about it think about it just for a moment now if i may be so bold as to presume just for a moment we got a lot of american friends in here i want to talk about battle and talk about war and all that kind of thing tell me what is the difference between fighting and warring think about it just for a moment what's the difference between fighting and warring Warring is a whole different character. Warring is a whole different attitude. Where one kingdom is seeking to utterly destroy another kingdom. One nation is seeking to destroy another nation to bring it under complete and absolute subjection. That that's the end goal. That's the purpose. That's different. That is so different than just fighting. As we're on, on, the, on the battlefield and you're just fighting with one thing and then you're done fighting that one thing and then you're, you're done for the day. See, the fighting has a different character. It's not an all or nothing. It's not an all or nothing. It's like, if someone who has bad intentions breaks into your home at night and, and threatens you and your family, are you just going to fight that person or are you going to war that person? Are you going to just fight them or are you going to war against them? You see, it's a whole different attitude. It's an entirely different creature. And that's just it. For so many saints, they're content with just fighting the odd skirmish and they're not willing to commit to war. That's the problem. That is the problem why we don't see much of revival because we're not warring for revival. We're doing odd little fight skirmishes here and there to try to kind of keep the idea of it alive. No, you're not going to achieve it until you war. You're not going to achieve revival, personal revival in yourself and others. You're not going to achieve revival until you war. Until you commit to war. Again and again and again and again. 
all down through the word of God. God Almighty, our Lord God Almighty is calling us to war. But we're just content with just the skirmish. We're content with sparring. We spar against sin. We spar against our flesh. We, we have little wrestling matches with the things of this world. And we're not warring. We don't go out in public and make it known that Jesus Christ is the true God. and He's the only way of salvation. We're not warring evangelism. We're not warring in the pulpit. We're not warring in church. We're not warring in prayer. We're having little wrestling match skirmishes in prayer. We're not warring in prayer. Warring in fasting. Where's the war? Where's the war? We give way too much ground. We show way too much mercy to the flesh. Way too much mercy to our fears and doubts and disbelief. Too much, too much ground to sin in society. War is what we're called to do, to fight back, to destroy, to utterly tear down the opposition that would seek to bring, bring our own minds and lives into captivity to the enemy. We're to war against that. This is what it is. As like the apostles before the Sanhedrin, they didn't fight the Sanhedrin. They didn't have a little wrestling match with the Sanhedrin. They warred back against them with the fullness of the gospel, even laying down their lives. The early church gave their lives for it. They were unashamed and went all out, all or nothing. They warred back against the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The martyrs, they warred. The early church, they warred. The prophets, they warred. Jesus Christ warred for our salvation. And we are called to war with Christ back against this world. This is what we're called to do. This is how we're called to live. This is the revival spirit. When you no longer see a skirmish, you no longer see a, a, a little match over here, but you see the whole picture and you want to be a part of this and you war. You take the faith seriously. It's as serious as the destruction of an entire kingdom. You are you will not be content until the bars of hell are torn off their hinges. You are not content until the church is brought into full revival to see the saints strengthened, the lost are turned to Christ. You are not content. You will not quit until you see every soul around you and give themselves to the glory of Jesus Christ. You will not stop. You will not rest. You are not called to, to go back on furlough. You're on full war mode until the Lord calls you home. That's how it is. And unfortunately, one thing with war is losing friends or family, losing individuals. When you war, because it's true, because it's true 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is truth. You will be hated. You'll be mocked. You'll be ignored. You, uh, you uh, People will turn against you in all so many ways. But you must stay the course. You can't quit. You can't quit the faith. You have to stay on point, stay on topic, stay on ministry, regardless what they think. Gird up the loins of your mind. Put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Take it seriously. Be sober. Hope to the end. You fight for the end. You war for the end. To the glory of God. To the mastery of the faith. That we are promised by revelation of Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ told us. As obedient children, taking revenge uh, uh, revenge against ourselves, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. It doesn't matter what the flesh likes. It doesn't matter what the flesh wants. It doesn't matter what the flesh thinks. It doesn't matter what the flesh feels. If it goes against the very nature of God, then it's wrong. Make no excuses. Give no ground. Show no mercy to that which goes against the nature of God. This is what it is. This is what it is, whether they like it or not. Meekness and the power of God. Strength and power restrained and replaced with humility. I love this picture. I love this picture here. Shows the a knight in full armor. With a little a bit of food in his hand, handing it to, to a little kitten. This picture here is so beautifully, so beautifully re represents the character of what meekness is. Power and strength. Violence of war. Restrained. In reserve. Held in reserve. At the ready. And you show this is what it is. Because it's the power of Almighty God that cloaks you. The power of God that is your armor. And you are encapsulated in the very power and the armor and the hand of God as you reach out the gospel to the world. As you reach out the gospel to the world. But if they want to fight, you're not afraid. Because you know what the Lord says and you will not back down because you trust your armor to protect you. You trust your sword to be able to stand up against the fight. You're ready to at the for the sound of the trumpet, the call to war. You're ready to go. You're at the ready to show the power of God. This is what we are. Warrior priests called of God to war against the sin of this world, the sin of ourselves, to show the power of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ. And how can we do this when we're cast down? How can you show the power of Jesus Christ when we wallow in our misery? How can we show the power of Almighty Sovereign Lord God Jesus Christ when we keep limiting it by our faithlessness and fearfulness? How will that soldier stand up on the battlefield? A soldier that is all timid and fearful and afraid and, and afraid of what the enemy might do instead of just marching boldly. Daniel went boldly into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went boldly into the furnace. Moses went boldly before Pharaoh. We go boldly before the throne of grace. Think about this. We march boldly. Right up in front of the very throne of Almighty God. 
that the angels can barely look at. The angels in fear sing and praise and worship God around the throne and we march boldly right up before the throne because we are given that boldness, given that permission, given that authority by God to be able to come boldly up before him and call him Abba, Father. While the cherubims and seraphims, the openum, are worshiping and in all fear of the Lord, we're standing there in awe of our Father, standing all boldly. Think about that picture of power right there. And you'll kowtow to the ways of the world. And you'll cower before your flesh. You'll cower before the challenges of this world. You'll cower and give ground to the weakness of flesh and the and the and the deceit and delusion of the enemy. You're afraid of what the of what the world might do to you. You're afraid how your flesh might handle the challenge. Think of the power and the boldness that God pours upon us. And not just pours upon us, pours within us. He pours within us himself. We're wrapped in his hand, sealed by his spirit, surrounded by his spirit, standing with his spirit in the hand and the power of God, surrounded by the hosts of heaven, sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, empowered by the armor of God, by the sword of God, by the shield of God, and then given supernatural power by God. And you want to fear? You want to shake at what, the, what hell in this world can do? You, be, you want to be silent to the public? not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance being ignorant of the power of god being ignorant of the throne of grace being ignorant of the ways of the lord in your life but be mindful take your thoughts captive cast down the wicked imaginations and renew yourself in a right heart with the lord renew your faith renew your passion sure it may feel bad you may be grieving this or that of course there'll be challenges of course there'll be things that will come against us but that is no excuse to stay there and the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. It's not about the falling. It's about the getting back up. Sure, you may feel bad. You may be hurt by this or that. But that is no excuse to stay behind. Get shoulder to shoulder. In step. March with the Lord. March with God. And lift up the battle cry. The war cry of faith. Lift up your voice like a trumpet in the war cry of the power of Jesus Christ. He has given us victory. In him we are more than conquerors. Any castle, any challenge, any Goliath, any dragon, anything that comes against us, any river of, uh, of Jordan, any wall of Jericho, anything that comes against us is torn down by the power of God because he is able. What is our excuse? What is our excuse? Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. How? Why? Be sober. How? Why? And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? As obedient children. How? Not fashioning yourselves again according to former lusts. Why? Ask these questions. Challenge yourself. Look at yourself. What are you trusting in? Where is your faith? What is your faith upon? Faith in what? But as he which hath called you is holy, 
so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The way you talk, the way you think, the way you reason, your logic, your outlook, your, your, every aspect of your being, your work life, your, the way you step, the way you carry yourself, not carrying yourself cast down, long-faced, but bold and empowered by the power and the grace of Almighty God as He who has made you able, He who has empowered you, strengthened you, clothed you, cloaked you, armored you, is able. He who goes before you. Were the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant? Were they cast down? Were they depressed? Were they heavy? Were they wringing their hands? Were they fearful and afraid? We are, so to speak, the Levite priests of the New Testament church age. We're a royal priesthood. We are believer priests, royal priests, royal as we are children of the king children of the king who are priests of the king servants and children of the king carrying the presence of the king he who makes the way for us why should we be cast down why should we be defeated we are only defeated if we allow defeat we're only defeated when we submit to defeat when you surrender, when the enemy knocks you down and is holding their sword at your throat, don't you dare say, I surrender. You're not, you're not done until you're dead. Until the Lord calls you home and you die in the battlefield. It's to the death. It's to the death. This fight is to the death. I will not surrender. I will not surrender to the flesh. I will not surrender to this world. I will not surrender to hell. I will not surrender to Satan's champions. I will not surrender. You will have to kill me in the pulpit. You will have to end, end me. I am not going to surrender. I'm not going to surrender to fear. I'm not going to surrender to faithlessness. I'm not going to surrender to heaviness. I'm not going to surrender to anything. I will not surrender. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy. And holy God doesn't surrender. God doesn't say, I'm sorry. God doesn't pull his punches. God is in this to destroy the ways of the enemy. He's the king of war. He's the God of war. And he wars against sin. He wars against hell. He wars against Satan. And he wars against the flesh. And so should we. So be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord, to be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, because it is written, the same language that Jesus said to Lucifer in the temptation of the wilderness, it is written, it is written, it is written. What does the Lord say? And what the Lord says is the final absolute authority. It doesn't matter what traditions say, rituals say, man says, flesh says, hell says, society says, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what my feelings say, visions, dreams, doesn't matter. The Lord says, thus saith the Lord, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. It's a commandment of God. It's a commandment of our king, the commandment of our general. The, our king general says, be ye holy as I am holy. Fight the flesh, fight against sin, fight against hell. Do not surrender. You'll note, you'll note, 
that in the armor of God that's mentioned in the book of Ephesians, the armor of God, did you know there's a piece of armor missing? Were you aware of that? Were you aware that there is a piece of armor missing? We got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the belt of truth, our feet are shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. There's something missing. Anyone want to take a guess? What's missing? What's missing? Think about it. What's missing in this picture? We have the, the, the white robes of righteousness. We have the armor of God. We have the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. What's missing? Back armor. There's no back armor. Because we don't turn around and run. We don't turn our backs. We don't run away. There is no retreat. There's no retreat. There's no surrender. There's no back armor. It's a full, continual marching forward. Marching forward. Pressing on. Pressing forward. Marching forward. Striving for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's no back armor because we don't turn around and run and we don't retreat. That's what we see in the word of God. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing that this world can say. There's nothing that hell can show. There's nothing that this flesh can do to give you a valid excuse to surrender and retreat. You fight to the death. You fight, you war, you war in prayer, you war in faith, you war against the flesh, you war against hell, you war against the sin of society, the sin of yourself, you war against yourself. It's war. It's not a fight. It's not a battle. It's not a skirmish. It's not one field. It's the whole world versus the church. The whole world allied with hell, allied with the flesh against us. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter if it was just one soldier on that battlefield. One soldier left fighting in the name of the Lord can conquer all. It was one prophet on Mount Carmel. Think about it. One standing with God is in the majority. One standing with God is in the majority. And there's nothing they can do because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world because our God fights for us. 
He fights for us. The Lion of Judah come tearing across that battlefield. Claws flying. His teeth and his, his uh, claws showing. And he rips asunder the enemy. He causes them to be in derision. He tears apart their shields. He shatters their bows of steel. He, ca he causes them to, to run in retreat. He, the, the, the pit they dig, they are fall therein. The stone they roll is rolled upon them. The net they cast, they are snared therein. Our God wars for us. And he stands over over us and he roars back against them and he will fight for us god shakes with anger at those that come against his saints he bends the heavens and comes down against them our god fights for us what am i gonna do sit down and cry what am i gonna do shake and, and worry and fear what am i gonna do sweat it no I'm going to march forward in all boldness back against everything that comes against the knowledge of God. And I will bring all the passion of heaven. I will bring all the power of Jesus Christ. I will bring all the faith of the word of God. Because what it says is absolute. What it says is truth. What it says is what it means. Because God doesn't lie and God doesn't stutter. Revival comes in when you take the faith seriously it's as serious as war and as all the violence of war as all the horror of the battlefield of war it is that real you have every hound of hell every demon every devil every principality and power of the flames of the filth of hell are foaming out their filth as the dragons of satan on the battlefield against us with all the wicked and debauchery and the perversion of this world against all the weakness and fear and faithlessness of our flesh against us is all these hounds of hell against us against us and jesus christ who do you think's gonna win well that's not even a question he's already won he's already won he's already completed this chess game he's already wrapped it up he's already washed his hands it's already done he's already won we are already more than conquerors we've already gained the victory we've already won the war it's just we're just finishing mopping up the place we're just finishing mopping up the battlefield because he's already won because i've read the back of the book and we win what am i gonna do sit down and cry what am i gonna do wring my hands it's finished that's right it is finished because it is it is it was already finished back when he breathed the universe into existence by the forge of his breath when he spoke the world into existence he'd already won when he created adam from the dust of the ground he's already won when adam and eve sinned against the lord he's already won because he already knew how to fix it he already brought in salvation he already had a way of escape the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world given unto all the world he's already won we've already won we go into this war with the victory mindset we go into the war with the conqueror's mindset i've already won because i have jesus christ because my name is written in the lamb's book of life i've already won i've already gained the victory i've already conquered myself i've already conquered hell the devil lost 
Hell lost me. Satan lost me. The camp of the enemy lost me because God took me captive. And he adopted me. He saved me. He changed me. And he converted me into his army. And now I fight for the Lord. I fight to praise him, to thank him, to honor him and glorify him in what he's already accomplished. We've already won. What am I going to do? Fear and fret and doubt and wring my hands? Am I going to give in to the heaviness of this world? Or am I going to bring in revival until I die or bust? I'm going to fight for the Lord and I'm going to war for revival. Revival in the church. Revival in the saints. Revival in myself. Revival in the unsaved. Revival. It's a revival war, folks. Hell is seeking to revive sin. God is seeking to revive salvation. What are you fighting for? What are you warring for? What is important to you? What is the faith to you? What does the faith look like to you? You looking at it just the odd skirmish? Or are you saying farewell to family and going off to war? What did Jesus say? Forsake all. Follow me. Follow me to war, Jesus says. For God is blowing the war trumpet. Who will go for us? Who will be the champions on the battlefield? Who will go to spread the gospel? Who will uphold the name of the Lord in society? Who will go to encourage the saints? Who will go to call the lost? Who will go to tear down every high thing? There's the statues of Baal over there. Someone needs to tear it down. There's statues of Moloch over there. Someone needs to tear it down. Take the hammer of God and the fire of God and get busy, folks. We got a lot of war warring to do. We got a lot to tear down to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ to not be ashamed but to wear his name proudly the cross on our tunics as we go forward the cross on our minds we march forward with the cross of Jesus Christ bearing the gospel of salvation to this world woe unto me if I preach not the gospel we the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the and the fortresses of Satan are torn down when the saints go to war the fortresses of satan are torn down when the saints go to war this is where we are folks because this is what the faith is we're not just a bunch of weak useless sheep yes we follow the lord like sheep like soldiers follow the general but we're sheep with teeth. We're not just sheep. We're like watchdogs guarding the sheep. We're, we're soldiers of war, veterans of war, fighting against dragons, fighting against demons of hell. This is what we're up against. The music of God versus the music of hell. The trumpet of God versus the trumpet of hell. It's a battlefield, and here comes the war. Here comes the enemy army. Don't you dare shake. Rather, like a war horse, the war horses start shaking with excitement because they're ready to charge into battle. They're ready to charge into it, ready to swing the, swing the truth. This is what we are. Stop looking at yourself as a, as a weak uh, a sheep without teeth. Rather, you're a war dog. 
You're a war dog. As we have a fight to do, we have a war to fight, we have business to, to carry, and we have a cross to bear. And we've dropped the cross way too many times. We have dropped the seriousness of the battle way too many times. We have surrendered. We have run. We have retreated. We have given up ground. We have done such a disservice. The battlefield is such a chaotic mess. We need some people to bring order back to the battle. We need to bring the saints back to the to understanding of listening to the instructions of the war drum and the war trumpet of God, giving us the commands on the battlefield. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us from his truth and tells us how to stand, how to think, how to swing, how to guard, where to go. We're on a battlefield. We have a war to carry. We have a war to finish up. Follow our general. Follow our Lord, our King, our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look to the side, Peter. Don't be fearful of the waves, Peter. But look to the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that leads us through the wilderness. Don't worry about the dryness of your lips. He'll bring the water. Don't worry about the hunger. He will feed you. Don't worry about the guidance. He will show you. Don't worry about the walls and the rivers. He will part it for you. Don't worry about the Goliaths. He will fell them for you. Follow our God. Follow like sheep armored as soldiers of war. This is what we are. Either it's all true or not at all. We follow the holiness, the holiness of our Lord God and our holiness and the holiness of God. The holiness of our God isn't fearful of anything. So why are you? God isn't worried, so why are you? God doesn't fear, so why do you? Be ye holy, the holiness of Christ's likeness, the holiness of our master, the holiness of our general, the holiness of our God. Like the Levite priests carrying the presence of God into the battlefield, so carry we Jesus Christ into our fights, into our wars. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, fret not, be anxious or nothing. You have no excuse to wring your hands. He hears your prayers. He sees your tears. He knows your need. And he'll provide all things because he said so and he will not lie. He cannot lie. In him is no darkness, no shadow of turning. He will keep his promises. He's with us unto the bitter end. He fights for us shoulder to shoulder, back to back as we're being completely surrounded. He fights with us and he will He will help us gain the victory if we but trust him. It may look dire in the valley of the shadow of death, but he's the brightness of the sun. He's that which darkness fears. The devils run at his presence like legion. They run and they fall flat at his feet, crying out in terror. What have we to worry and fear about? Jesus Christ is our war cry. Jesus Christ is our war trumpet. Jesus Christ is our marching order. Jesus Christ is our armor. Jesus Christ is our, is our uh, cloak of truth, is our garbs of righteousness. Jesus Christ is our sword, is our hammer. Jesus Christ is our fire. Jesus Christ is our water of life. Jesus Christ is our bread of life. Jesus Christ is our light of life. What have you to fear? And he 
And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear, as he who has called you is holy and is able and has called you and and we're all equal in the eyes of God in the army of God that he's the one that judges all the work don't judge yourself don't judge your own work he judges serve him in fear and trembling holy reverential worship and respect the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom the fear of the Lord. As I fear the Lord, I don't fear any man. I fear the Lord, I don't fear circumstances and situations. I fear the Lord, I don't fear my flesh or any hound of hell. I fear the Lord, nothing else. I will not bow the knee to anything else but the name of my Lord God Jesus Christ and his holy word. I only bow the knee to him. I resist bowing the knee and surrender to anything that is against my God. I will not respect anything that goes against my God. If it goes against the knowledge of God, I will take vengeance upon it by the power of the word of God. I will say, thus saith the Lord, and I will not apologize. I will not surrender. I will not bow the knee. And I will not apologize for speaking the truth of Jesus Christ. The apostles didn't. The prophets didn't. The early church didn't. And the martyrs didn't. Why should I? Why should I? Jesus didn't. So why should I? For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood of God cleansed me, seals me, washes me, holds me, empowers me. What have I to fear? What have I to fear? who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world was, was manifest in these last times for you. This is the plan of God, the ways of God, the work of God before he even spoke the world into existence. He already had the battle plan. He already had the, the war ground, the, battle, the battlefield drawn up. That this is what it is. This is what it is. And he presents it in all pride and power of God. This is what it is. Who am I to apologize for God? Who am I to water down his marching order? Who am I to doubt his battlefield? It's his battlefield, not Satan's. It's God's battleground. It's God's truth, God's army, God's power, not the enemy. It's not even an equal fight. It's not even equal force. This is God Almighty versus a created fallen angel. It's God Almighty versus sin. It's God Almighty and the power of heaven of God Almighty, the throne of God Almighty against hell. It's not even a fair fight. That's how God wants it. It's all one-sided. It's all one-sided. He's already won. There's nothing the enemy can do. God's already won. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. 
Your faith and hope is in the Lord and the ways of the Lord and the power of the Lord and the kingdom of the Lord and in the word of the Lord and the blood of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord and the cross, the burial, the resurrection of him who has spoken it before the world began. Who am I? Who am I to doubt it, to fear it, to worry about it, to stress about it, to wring my hands? Who am I? It's my flesh that wants to. It's the world that wants to. It's hell that wants to. It's the enemy that wants to. What does is, what is the Lord God say? Thus saith the Lord, it is written. And that is what we say when the enemy, when the hounds of hell, when those, when those demons of hell well up before us in all their filth, we say, thus saith the Lord. It is written and they run they run but say a word O lord jesus but say a word and it will be done and we speak thus saith the lord the word of god and the walls crumble thus saith the lord and the devils run thus saith the lord and sin is forgiven thus saith the lord and souls are saved thus saith the lord and churches flourish thus saith the lord and revival spreads Thus saith the Lord, because this is what it is. It's all true, because there is a God, whether you like it or not, and you will bow the knee to Jesus Christ, either today or later on. You will bow the knee. Every knee will bow and every tongue will swear. That's every demon, every devil. That's Lucifer, the Antichrist, the false prophet, every single thing in hell every single thing on earth and every single angel every creature ever made it's going to sound like thunder as it hits the floor every knee is going to hit the floor and every single mouth is going to call him lord it's going to happen because it is written thus saith the lord because he said so because this is what's going to happen that when this war is over all is going to be brought up before the throne and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to call him lord whether they want to or not because that's just what it is because that's my god because that's my lord jesus christ that's how powerful he is that's how mighty he is that's how great his word is and that's what he says and it doesn't matter what any devil says they're a bunch of lying thieves they're a bunch of destroyers they're they're our enemy and we fight back against them with the word of god in prayer churches fall apart when they don't take this seriously it's war it's war war for the mind war for your faith war for your testimony war for the gospel jesus christ warred for us on the cross he warred for us we war for him we war we, he warred for us to bring this in and he hands it to us and we go to war to spread it and we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that fixes everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix your home. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix your church. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix your family. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix society. The gospel of Jesus Christ will fix the government. It fixes everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. We go forward as soldiers of war, 
carrying the banner of salvation. Thus saith the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And a person believes and such such a war of sin is made and all that war is wiped all that sin is wiped out by the war by the power of the spirit of god the devils are driven out hell is vanquished that soul is saved the blood of jesus christ washes over them and you have rescued that soul from the captivity of hell and you've bring them and as a victory trophy before jesus christ who seals them and saves them and changes them adopts them and then appoints them as a soldier in his army to go and do unto others go and show them what great things the lord has done this is what is actually happening folks this is what it looks like this is what christianity is christianity is not a bunch of kid glove sheep christianity is a bunch of warring veterans of heaven soldiers of jesus christ warriors warrior priests of almighty god this is what we are don't you ever forget that We have armor, swords, hammers, and fire, and the power of the supernatural word of the living God, and the power of all heaven at our disposal as we march forward to the trumpet of Jesus Christ. The war drum of God beats out as we march forward, conquering all before us in the faith and power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not carnally, but mighty through God. In the meekness and the power of Jesus Christ, in the armor that cannot be broken, with a sword that cannot be shattered, with a shield that is forged in the very fire of Almighty God, gleaming with the light and the brightness of the glory and the holiness of Jesus Christ. Revival dies when you stop warring for it. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Your faith and hope is in God, not yourself. In God, not your abilities. In God, not your hands. Your faith and hope is in all that the Lord says, regardless of the circumstances. Regardless what you're up against, regardless how big the enemy is, how high the wall is, how broad the river or sea is, faith in God that he is able, like I talked about the other day. Doth thou believe that I am able to do this, Jesus says. What do you say? Do you believe that I'm able to do this, Jesus says. But, but, but Lord, look how big the army is. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? But, 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 Lord, look how many are. We don't have, have sufficient enough to purchase the bread and fish for this many. Do you believe that I can do this? But, Lord, he's been dead for four days. By now he stinketh. Do you believe that I am able to do this? But, Lord, you don't understand how sinful I am. Do you believe that I am able to do this? But, Lord, you don't understand how wicked the society is. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that the Lord can bring revival today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is able to bring revival today? Today. Today. Let today be the day of salvation. Do you believe that he is able to do this? You may say it. 
you may say, you may say you have faith. You may say it sounds great on paper, it sounds great in the pulpit, but do you believe that this is reality? Do you actually believe that this is reality? Because I'm telling you right now, absolutely 100% I do. I believe beyond shadow of a doubt that this is absolute reality. This is how I see life. This is how I see people. This is how I see all things. This is how I view it. This because this is what it is. Either it's all true or not at all. And I choose to accept that this is truth. And if you don't, that's your choice. But I'm not going to hold back. I cannot mince words. I cannot water down the truth because some people might not accept it. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying. Revival starts in the one who passionately preaches it. Do you believe it's a war? What are you fighting for? What are you warring for? What, what are you believing in Jesus Christ for? What is reality to you? Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have pur purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. You love each other enough to tell them, to warn them, to encourage them, to help them, to rebuke, reprove, exhort, you love them enough to tell them what they need to hear. You love them enough to bear their burdens. You love them enough to pray for them, to intercede for them, to fight for them, that you'd be willing to die for them on the battlefield. You see one is struggling with an enemy. You run over, you pull your sword, and you go to war against that thing that is against your brother and sister in Christ. You war for each other, with each other. Shoulder to shoulder with each other on that field, you war with, uh, with together with one another. It's not an army of one. Uh, the, uh, the honor, the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ is at stake. The honor of our Lord Jesus Christ is at stake. And the enemy wants to tear down his banner and grind it into the mud. Are you going to allow them to do that? They want to take down the sign of the cross of Jesus Christ and grind it into dust. Are you going to let them do that? Are you going to let the devils do that to the faith of your brothers and sisters? Are you going to let the enemy do that to your church? Are you going to let the enemy do that to your family? Are you going to war in prayer and fasting in faith to stop them? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give? To restore the honor of Jesus Christ. And faith and prayer and love. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. That we are, are, we are forged in the armory of God. As, as warrior priests. Clad in the righteousness and the armor. And armed with the sword of God. Forged in the fire, in the furnace, in the forge of God. What have we to worry and fear? Sharper than anything. Harder than anything. Stronger than anything. The word of God. Thus saith 
the Lord bellows like fire across that field, devouring every wicked thing. Thus saith the Lord. And that fire scorches those dragons of hell, causes them to roar and fight back. And then we beat them down with the hammer and cut them asunder with the sword of the word of God. We are more than victors. We are champions of grace. Seeing you have purified your souls, we've been purified in the forge of God, made pure by the grace and power and the blood of Jesus Christ, purified by the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed by the riches of his grace, empowered by the spirit of, of God that seals us into the day of redemption. And we obey the truth through the spirit. And the Spirit of God guides us and instructs us and gives us the marching orders, the battle orders. And we go forward in the power of the Spirit and the might of God. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Where is the fervency? Where is the passion that makes the world mock you? Where is the seriousness and the passion and the fervency that causes the weak brothers and sisters to scoff because they just don't get it? Where is the passion that causes you to stand out and to be separate, to be an example, an inspiration to those knocked down so that they would take that deep breath and stand back up and fight with you again? Those on the battlefield are examples as well to the weaker brothers and sisters to encourage them to pick themselves back up and keep fighting. We stand over them to protect them, shielding them by bearing their burdens and then encouraging them, get up, get up, strengthen the feeble knees, confirm, uh, confirm the weak ankles, lift up your voice like a trumpet, grab a hold of faith, grab hold of the word of God. Now let's get going. You don't ignore like those that ignored the Samaritan on, on the road to Jericho, but rather we encourage him to get back up. The Lord will bandage the wounds. He will heal you. He will strengthen you. He will knit together that which was torn asunder. Though you've been ripped asunder by a thousand hounds of hell, the Lord brings you back. He knits together the bones again, the sinew again. He raises his army again by the sheer power of God. And he gives you the voice like a trumpet. He says, now get back to fighting. There's no excuse to stop. There's no reason to give up. There's no back armor. Don't you dare retreat. Don't you dare retreat. Get back to fighting. There's no excuse. Only the goats, the wolves, and the rats, and the faithless, and the unbelieving will excuse this and fight against this and will scoff this. Being born again. We're born again by the power of God. Born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. We're born again by the word of God. Look at what it says, verse 23. Born again by the word of God. That's how powerful it is. No wonder the devil wants to corrupt it. No wonder the devil wants to water it down. No wonder the world wants to ban it and stop it in every way possible. Because the word of God opens your understanding and enlightens your mind, gives you the light of, the taste of, the glimpse of, the understanding of, and, re and reveals you to the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. The word of God is our weapon, is our armor, is our power, is our everything. The word of God, do you believe it? Born again. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
For all flesh is as grass. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. So we die. So what? That's not the end. That's just the, the death of the sinful flesh. It should be a victorious thing. A glorious thing. Something we rejoice over. That we get to go be with the Lord. And no longer in this cage of flesh. For us the battle is over. The Lord has called us home. We, we've done our tour of duty. We've completed our tour of duty. We've fought the good fight. We have kept the faith. We've finished our tour of duty. We get to go home to be with the Lord. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of our Lord endureth forever. And, and no, no matter how long this war goes on for, if this war continues for another 10,000 years or a million years, the word of God stands forever. And our general will be just as powerfully standing on that battlefield, instructing the warriors, instructing the fight. He doesn't tire. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't stop. He doesn't die. He doesn't rest. He never quits because he's already conquered. He's already beaten and he lives forever amen who are we For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of men as the flower of grass the grass withered the flower there falleth away but the word of our lord endureth forever it is preserved unto all generations it's above his very name and this is the word which the gospel has preached unto you look at the end of verse 25 this all that I have said. This is the word, the truth, the glory, the praises of Almighty God, the simplicity of faith, the power of grace, the truth of the cross, the cleansing of the blood, the saving by His name, the empowering by His promises, the forge of God that sends out the soldiers. The word which the gospel is preached unto you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. These things are written. These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life through his name. Life, power, peace, understanding, salvation, victory, revival. Because he is God and there is none else. All hail King Jesus. Let the army of God and all the angels of the Lord cry out, All hail King Jesus. Because he is. First Peter chapter one. What are your thoughts? Thoughts, comments, questions. Either it's all true or not at all. But my question to you in your life, in your life, if you believe this is all true in all reality, in your life, what does that look like? What would that look like in your life 
if you honestly, honest to God, believe this is all true in all reality. What would revival look like in your life? Something to think about. And whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Amen. Stand firm, stand strong, stand still, be still, grounded and rooted in faith on the rock that is higher than I, the Lion of Judah, Almighty God, our Savior, our Redeemer, the God of war, who's already won, the God of victory, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come back in shining glory, taking vengeance upon them, and defeats them but by a word of his mouth. All of Armageddon destroyed by a single word from his mouth. I have literally no excuse to worry about a thing. Remember that. I'm going to wrap it up there. So give this some thought. Revival. Revival. Fall before the Lord. And ask Him. Like that one... Oh, what's the story? I forget the name of the place or there's the great revival. There was a great revival in this one area. I think it was over in Ireland. And a bunch of saints are gathered together and praying for revival. And the one man, one man in the group as they're praying, one man just says out loud, Lord, are my hands clean? And the place shook. This is to, going back, I think it was in the 80s or 70s. I forget. And the building shook with the presence of God. It actually shook and revival broke out and so many people got saved. It's actually happened. Now, I'm not saying that such a thing like that will happen, but my point is, is like what he says, Lord, are my hands clean? Are your hands clean? Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. You seek revival in your life first and asking the Lord to help you. Lord, if there is anything, if there is anything in my life that goes against you or your word, Lord, would you show me? Whether attitude, action, sin, or whatever deed, whatever it is, Lord, would you show me? If I'm wrong, correct me. If I've sinned, forgive me. If I'm in error, show me, teach me. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. War. War. Be ready to take take vengeance, to revenge, when all obedience is fulfilled. And then watch God work. Watch God work. If you believe it's real, I challenge you to act upon it. 
I challenge you to consider, to think, to see, to know, to speak, to work, to walk like you actually mean it. You say you have faith. How can you prove it? What does absolute faith look like? Well, how far will absolute faith go? Are you willing? Are you willing? Don't let it be just a moment of excitement. But let it be a complete life change. That you will pack it up and go off to war. You will forsake all and follow Christ to the death. With that, we'll wrap it up there. A lot of things to consider. It's true. It's all real. Give it some thought. So God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. God bless all those who seeking revival, that revival by the Spirit of God would truly fall on you. I pray that the Spirit of God would fall on the listeners and would open the eyes, the minds, the hearts, the understandings of the hearers, and that revival would truly break out in everyone who hears this message. I pray that the Spirit of God, by the power of Jesus Christ, would, would start such a change in the hearers that we'd see a revival. Pray for it. Fight for it. War for it. Revival. The gospel of Jesus Christ. To the honor of Jesus Christ. To the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. So God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. All hail King Jesus. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.